News. 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 New York City. The FAQ NYC podcast getting more and more interesting by the minute. FAQ. Welcome to FAQ NYC. I'm Harry Siegel, and with me today is... Christina Greer. Thank you. So, we have a special guest, Rebecca Katz, who is the founder of New Deal Strategies, a consulting firm that deals specifically with progressive candidates, can I say? Yes, you can. Okay, and does not take corporate clients. We do not. All right. Um, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. Um, this is my election night buddy. We, <laughs> we spend every election night together. together. We are a bad luck team. So blame all of your candidates not winning on the two girls from Philly who chat about <laughs> politics. Uh, but thank you so much for coming in. It's a pleasure. I'm super excited for you to meet Larry Siegel, my co-host. Who? <laughs> oh, we call Larry Harry. Or oh. We call Harry Larry. How does he feel about that? He loves it. Doesn't Don't worry. Um, <laughs> He's so good with it. He's, it's, it's his favorite. Larry loves it. So <laughs> we wanted to bring you in to talk about a few things. We mm-hmm. wanted to talk about Super Tuesday sort of this momentum conversation. Mm-hmm. Where does Bernie go? What's up with Elizabeth? What happened to Mike? And I guess we'll get around and talking about Andrew Yang, which I am, <laughs> I am not here for it. Um, I'm not excited about it, but I guess let's jump right in. I mean, have we ever seen a 72 hours like we just saw with Joe Biden going from South Carolina on Saturday through Super Tuesday? I mean, I've been doing this for 20-some years. Mm-hmm. I've never seen anything like it. It was just... just Come back from the dead. We are giving you Literally, life and you are rolling. Tales you know? from the crypt. Well, I mean, my, my new thing right now is that Joe Biden needs a face tattoo, Gucci Mane style, of James Clyburn on his cheek. I mean, And that's the thing. What James Clyburn did for Biden in South Carolina, first mm-hmm. of all, no other state leader anywhere can do that. Like, that was, mm-hmm. that was some amazing work. He took that campaign on his back and he carried it over the finish line. My question is whether Democrats really want someone limping over the finish line mm-hmm. to go against Trump. You know, like, we're all, we're all, you know, not me, but everybody else is back slapping, like, we got this, he, he's our guy. It's been three days. Right. I mean, even his acceptance speech was not, like, great the last night city. On, on Tuesday night. So my, my fear here is that we are setting ourselves up for another, like, time on the roller coaster because everybody loves Joe Biden right now. But remember, he won a lot of states that he never visited. So they know him as the Obama guy and they don't know the Joe Biden of 2020. And that is problematic. What Less is more when it comes to Joe. <laughs> about uh, corporate money and all that and ad spending and consulting and all this stuff that a guy who had not so much cash in the bank, wasn't advertising a ton on television and had no organization in a lot of these states to speak of ended up doing so well. It's not just that name ID matters here and association to Obama because the Obamas, there's no better brand in Democratic politics than Barack and Michelle Obama. But it's also that he had momentum. And we saw this with Amy Klobuchar a little bit in New Hampshire, that as soon as she was like deemed the winner of the debate, that she was the story. And she came in third and everyone's like, isn't this great? We have Amy Mentum. And the thing for Joe Biden is – he got the momentum on Saturday and they just ran with it. And every single um, big elected, you know, got on board and here we are. But what happened to Liz Mentum? She debated and uh, she slayed very wealthy former candidate Mike Bloomberg. You know, some of us are very bitter about this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was in Nevada for the debate where she – it was amazing. She just destroyed Mike Bloomberg in front of all of our eyes. 
And she got a huge money boost from that. And Mike but, had momentum up until that point. Up until rising that in the point polls. that he thought he could actually be okay. In his first debate. But, and, but this is where she got killed. Three-fourths of Nevadans had voted in early vote before that debate happened. And she had a whole other debate to go before people in South Carolina voted. So she got the money that comes in with having a great debate performance, but she got no votes. And the problem that Warren is facing is that She's got a lot of love, but she can't seem to get beyond third place in any state. And that's tricky for her because she's not getting the delegates she needs to keep going, which is why she might stop going. Voiceover. Elizabeth Warren is reassessing her campaign Wednesday. Mike Bloomberg has just suspended his as we record this. That may all have changed by the time you hear this on Thursday. That's a solid voiceover, Harry. I'm just going like to put that out there. Nice. Um, so we talked about this a little bit. For those of our listeners who watch New York One, you saw Rebecca and I chit-chat about this a bit. But I want to talk about the gender piece mm. because we know that this country, clearly we're one of the few democracies of our stature that has yet to elect a woman mm-hmm. as our national leader. We know that historically, we can look at the data, white women have not voted for a female. They did not vote for Hillary Clinton and clearly not for Elizabeth Warren in the numbers that she needs. Do you think that voters went to the polls and said, for people who like Warren, Mm -hmm. and said, I really like her. I think she's smart. She clearly has the best plans. She's clearly, she destroyed Mike Bloomberg. Like, you know, the old Southern saying, she like beat him like he stole something, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm thinking about November 3rd, and I know what this country does, and I know how women fare, so maybe I should go with Biden who's safe or Bloomberg who's safe. Bernie, because he's similar. But just to remind you, John Kerry, Al Gore, and Hillary Clinton were all the safe choices. So let's just know that safe doesn't always mean best. No, not safe. But but there's two issues here. Number one, women are self-defeating. Right. What was so surprising to me of all these endorsements that Biden's been getting is he's been getting many congresswomen, like the freshman congresswoman from Iowa, um, Abby Fangenauer. She endorsed Joe Biden. He lost her her district by a lot, but she just thought he was the safe choice. Mm -hmm. And and women are not believing in themselves. All of their self-doubts seem to be coming out with each of these women candidates where they just can't, you know, maybe they can vote for a congresswoman, but they're they're so afraid. And when I saw Elizabeth Warren on the debate say just like mop the floor with Mike Bloomberg, I thought it took care of the electability argument because she's like, this is what I can. I did this, this to is what Mike I did Bloomberg. and this is what I will do. I can do, do this to right. Donald Trump. Right. But a lot of women were still so scared. The other problem we have not to sound like a conspiracy theorist, is but we do have a very male-dominated media situation. Conglomerate. Yeah, where, they're, where they kind of mock a lot of these women. And I mean, how many times have the commentators on CNN talked about how much she's like a professor and she lectures and this the way that they talk about her or even the fact that Chris Matthews couldn't believe she went after Mike Bloomberg on MDAs yeah. because why would Mike Bloomberg ever lie about that? Right. That kind of thinking is is not only backwards, but it, it's to the detriment of our women candidates. Well, I think I, I think it was Rebecca Traster who had a really great piece who said part of the problem is you have these male pundits who immediately after a debate, they're the first voices that voters hear. Right. And they frame the conversation and they've oftentimes framed it as Elizabeth is like, oh, she's too prepared. But it's prepared. not just her. I mean, think of all the power that Mark Halperin had during 2016 when Hillary was the nominee. It's not just what you say on air. It's the whole group think about mm-hmm. it. So you're influencing each other. You're all agreeing with each other. And then you all go on the air and just say, nope, women can't do right. this. And you're right about it. I would it like another case. woman, but this woman's terrible. Right. I would no. also say that, like, as much as there's been a lot of talk about the toxic Bernie bro situation, the 
kind of digging in of a lot of women on social media for Warren going on the attack specifically on the idea that a vote for anyone else is a vote for misogyny, I think had a lot of people reacting. Right. I mean, no, no fans are great. Right. I mean, there, it's not, right. it's no. not like any one candidate has the best Twitter supporters. Um, I will say, having woken up one day to, you know, a bunch of snakes in my timeline, that every man I know who's working on the Bernie campaign are pretty great people. So I just want to put that out there. <laughs> and they love women. Like, you know, they're, they're very supportive of our, um, of, of me and a lot of the women that they know. So I just want to put that out there because there is a difference between people who are on the campaign and the supporters who are vile. But I so mean, wait, I- why can't the people on the campaign get their supporters in check. I mean, they've they've put out many statements saying, hey, everybody, let's take a moment. You know, like, let's all stand down and do this. I think, number one, I, I think people want to do what they want to do. People are angry. And instead of just keep on saying how terrible these people are, maybe we should ask, why is everyone so angry? No one seems to ask that question. I think and, the B- yeah. Bernie and Warren supporters are kind of angry for separate reasons, but they are. And yet they're such similar candidates as far as their politics goes from, you know, right. trying to put people back to but work. But the with methods green are infrastructure. so different. The methods are, are, are in fact different, but the two fan bases are not creating any kind of coalition. I don't know if that's entirely true. I think there's some people who are mad at the other ones. I, I believe like I like Elizabeth Warren. If when Elizabeth Warren is not a candidate, I will love Bernie Sanders. I mean, that is just how it goes. There's some of us on the left who are going to just go right. You know, we'll take either. And there's others who are who are more, more pure. There's plenty of Warren supporters who are going to go to Joe Biden. And why do you think that is? Oh, because they the well, there's a lot of people who want a woman who wants someone who's competent, who wants someone who's going to go to the White House and they feel good about and they. And um, there's still some leftover feelings from 2016 that we have to work through. So the Daily Beast had this poll in June. Uh, Ipsos conducted it. And basically 74 percent of Democrats and independents said that they'd be perfectly comfortable voting for a woman. In the same poll, 33 percent of Democrats and independents said they thought their neighbor would be perfectly comfortable voting for a woman. And just 55 percent, I believe, said uh, their spouse would be. (laughs) I mean, it's just there's so much projecting here. It's like hard to take it apart. But I will also point out that of the all the states that's voted, the number one issue that everyone agrees on seems to be Medicare for all. And they they're voting for a candidate who does not support Medicare for all. So sometimes one view doesn't go with the other view. It's it's well, voters are a little strange. I think it's, you know, the shadow of November 3rd is in the forefront of people's minds as they go to the polls very explicitly. Um but let's let's back up to, to last but night. But can I just say uh-huh. one more thing? There's a certain privilege in just saying, like, I don't care who it is as long as it's not Trump. Because that's just saying that everything will be fine as long as Trump's out. And there's a lot more people who still have to figure out how to pay for their mm-hmm. insulin, no matter who's president, and still have to figure out how to get out of the crushing debt they're in if Trump, you know, even if a Democrat is president. And right. I think that's part of the problem here, well, this disconnect. And well, I think we have a disconnect in the party. In the Democratic Party. Yes, I would agree with that. Because you have a lot of blue no matter who. You have a lot of folks who are like, I don't even need to vote in the primary because I really don't care. I'm just going to vote. Mm-hmm. Right? But I do think that, you know, as someone who speaks to a lot of people who are like, this election actually does matter. Like, we do feel like our democracy is, 100%. is at the precipice. I, I like to say this um, is not the most important election of our last time. That was 2016 and we blew it. So this is our second chance and mm-hmm. we got to get it right. But you tell me who you think can beat 
Trump, because I think Trump is beaten when we have young people energized and going to the polls. I don't think young people are energized behind Joe Biden. And that, to me, is very worrisome. We've never won as a Democrat has never won without having the young people behind them. But But you look at the numbers for Bernie. It's like he's got young people. He's got them energized. But they're not going to the polls. When you look at the well, data, but maybe that's your him, primary question. Well, they're maybe not going yeah. to the you know, polls maybe. for primaries, right? right. I mean, we so don't know. I mean, not. I mean, listen, you all know. We don't know. We don't know anything. But, I mean, right. no, there's no use to being a pundit because all pundits are wrong right now. Well, they were wrong about like the the Biden roller coaster. They've been wrong about Sanders. Right. I mean, the establishment has slept on Sanders two cycles in a row. They keep being surprised that he's mm-hmm. doing. They well. haven't just slept on him. Let's be honest. They have. They've actively worked. Against they've him. actively worked against him. And I, you know, there's huge conjecture. There's conspiracy theories thrown all around Twitter about maybe they just hate poor people. Maybe, maybe they, they just, hate 78 and a half year olds. Right. <laughs> had heart attacks. Maybe they, you know, who's, who's making, you know, follow, there's the old follow the money thing. Mm-hmm. Like who's making money off of the the current, you know, debilitating healthcare system. I figured and it out. Who? It's the cheese industry. It is the cheese industry. Oh, going back industry. to the dairy. The, because, the dairy. The, well, the, well, Vermont is like. Listen, I went to the 92nd Street Y and did a whole cheese champagne thing. And the guy kept my sommelier and my fromagier kept talking about all the things going on in the cheese community. In you Vermont, sound very fancy. Uh, thank you. And that's why I'm putting on my fancy voice. <laughs> but maybe that's it. I figured it out. Good night. Are Have cheese stocks going up or down? I think Vermont's taking over the cheese industry over Wisconsin. Mm. And that's the big scandal. Oh, fascinating. Harry's going to bring us back. Go ahead, yes. Harry. <laughs> so right before we went on... Mm-hmm. You and I were talking for a minute about Jomentum mm-hmm. and uh, how ne- uh, the TV news in particular was really flogging that after South Carolina. Mm-hmm. So I've been thinking a ton about that. And, you know, there were numbers floating around Twitter. This was like 100 million in earned media. Donald Trump was pretty vastly outspent and was, was shut on by all the networks minus Fox. And he won. Bernie Sanders has been dismissed and uh, smeared at times by by liberal networks like mm-hmm. MSNBC. And he's doing very well, even if he didn't have quite the Tuesday he wanted to. And I'm trying to wrap my head around it. Mike Bloomberg just spent $500 million, a lot of that going into television ads, almost Ross Perot-style spending with three-minute, you know, pseudo-presidential addresses in prime time on the networks. And he, uh, you know, won American Samoa. Like, I'm not sure if uh, if, if what these talkers say Mm-hmm. Except obviously the ones in this room and watch New York <laughs> one on election nights. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if what these talkers say if, if it matters right now well, and how you measure that. I mean, Clearly, it's, different, it's different about how it matters. I mean, I don't think Trump could be president without Fox News. But with Bernie, whereas Trump had Fox News working with him, Bernie has MSNBC actively working against him. It's a different dynamic. Our Democratic voters are reading all these neoliberal columnists in the New York Times and they're they're watching, you know, cable nonstop and they're all becoming pundits and they're all thinking like pundits. And Democrats win when we go with our hearts and we're not listening to our hearts. We're listening to our heads. And that is a bad is it like bad thing because it is not telling us the truth. To be fair, but, Bernie has Chapo Trap House at the moment, oh, which yes. is uh, hurting him a little bit. <laughs> but I mean, but hey, see, and I don't know, like, like gamblers, you know, you're not going to outsmart. Well, the we're house. over. I mean, there's just we're we're trying three dimensional chess and we are failing, and this this is the problem here. I'm very very concerned. But I'm concerned if like going with your heart with someone who can so easily be framed as say, a socialist. Everybody can be framed as a socialist. They call Barack Obama a socialist. I mean, I mean, I mean but like it's, I mean, it's, 
you know, Cynthia Nixon, my old boss, had this great line, like, no matter what we do, they're going to call us a socialist, so we might as well give them the real thing, right? Right. And it's just like, we just have to not be afraid to be called something. You know, like, Democrats are so afraid of name-calling. And it's just like, let's just live our best life. Let's just talk about what we stand for and tell people what we'll give to them when when we're we're in charge. New York's an old blue state now, right? And Cynthia no. Nixon. Unless you're counting, I don't know what you're counting Cuomo as. Is that blue, I guess? I, for these purposes, <laughs> yes. He's a registered Democrat. Okay. And we saw with Zephyr Teachout's mm-hmm. run that there was some real appetite for mm-hmm. a, a real Democrat, yes. as it were, mm-hmm. to run mm-hmm. against him. And then Cynthia Nixon, like, like, I thought really bravely and impressively stepped up when people were scared of Cuomo because he has a tremendous amount of mm-hmm. political power. And she did not end up. Well, so I mean, the, everything was against her. Like, let's just be fair. Like, there's nobody. I mean, even even De Blasio and his nobody was nobody was with Cynthia. She was alone with with Cynthia and the WFP against Cuomo and everything that Cuomo comes with it. But when Cynthia, I mean, it wasn't just about her race. It was about defeating the IDC. There was an energy here, and she shined a light. I mean. Alexandra Biaggi, who soundly defeated an IDC member, uh, was saying that if Cynthia Nixon wasn't there to shine the light on what the Independent Democratic Conference was and how they had given Republicans power in Albany, she would not have been able to sell her message the same way. So Cynthia used her celebrity to, to shine a light on what was happening in New York. And frankly, nobody else in the New York establishment had that kind of courage. Courage. Yes. And courage. Like she, it was incredibly brave and lonely. And she did it. She took one for the team. I love well, her. So, I mean, this but is why, just... why is the executive at that level? And I'm thinking about about. Bernie now as well, right. like have so much trouble sort of getting to that last breakthrough point with a broader Democrat. Because electorate, there's been even years and decades state. and centuries against them. I mean, this is not. Also, Cuomo I made mean, a couple big moves. I mean, he then had Tish James come into the fold. Like, I mean, was it was a just lot money. of factors. I mean, we haven't even that, talked about no. TV ads. Like, it, it it didn't because it wasn't a big deal for for Biden, and it didn't help. It didn't help Bloomberg, but Pete wouldn't be where Pete got to if he didn't have John Del Sacato doing his ads, right? He had the best ads in Iowa that helped. Warren didn't have any good ads at all, which hurt her. So the TV still matters, and Andrew Cuomo had outspent Cynthia 20 to 1. He was on TV. We weren't. So Not that we, I'm still bitter. No, I, no, I'm totally I want to stay on this because, you know, I yeah. have my thoughts on Cynthia. I think that she definitely took one for the team. I don't think that she was prepared to be governor of New York State, but... We'll debate that okay. over a glass of wine after Lent. But um, I, I, I just want to add that the way that she was demeaned because she wasn't smart enough, even though she got she got herself into Barnard, worked her way through school. She's incredibly impressive, and to see how they dismissed her as this like dilettante, and then the way that the same folks embraced Pete was absolutely oh well, that's that's ridiculous. I mean, I mean that's the, we, I, we all know that there's absolutely but no. But he was way. seen as so smart, and she was seen as so. Like, right. let's toast our cosmos to, Cin- well, to I Cynthia. Well, I think she was an actress on a show that but she was also, you know, she was an artist. She was from, yeah. yeah, she was on Broadway. But she was someone who grew up in a five-floor, you know, walk-up and whose mom said, I can't afford for college, so you're going to have to figure right. it out. I mean, I'm And they still portrayed her the as The big this. question my, with the on, progressives. My okay. thought with Cynthia was when we interviewed her for the board, I was... I sh- she struggled on some questions that I needed her to not struggle on. So that was right. my that's my personal issue with right. that. For the Amsterdam Newsboard. For the Amsterdam yeah. Newsboard. With Pete, I think it's absolutely insane when we think about could a woman who's 38 years old have the audacity to stand on stage with a thin Hell, we had a woman resume. who was 70 years old and they still didn't give her the right, time. Exactly. You know, like I don't. 
I mean, we got we got a long way to go. Yeah, I think because I mean, also like look at the data when you know Cory Booker's Senator Cory Booker. Right. Former mayor, current mm-hmm. senator Cory Booker is also a Rhodes Scholar. The number of times that they ever mentioned that Cory Booker was a Rhodes Scholar I mean, was one hundredth of when they mentioned it. I mean, it for Pete. the media was played and it's there's they're all like there are there's so many fans. Shout out to you, Liz. Good job. Yeah. Liz Smith did an excellent job. I mean, listen, I, mean, I, 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 I at one point I was like, Liz, why don't you run? Because at this well, point, you've got more qualifications. Thing. Long than after people forget about Pete Buttigieg, they're going to remember Liz Smith. So FAQ guest Emma Goldberg did a terrific piece for the New York Times last year. Would a 37-year-old woman be where Pete Buttigieg is? I remember that piece. Yes. It was quite good. It was excellent. And she she just interviewed all of these elected officials who stepped up, which is really right. one of the big questions. And you were getting to this with Cynthia Nixon also. It's like, who steps up? Who thinks that they can run and, and right. serve? Right. But the thing that's so interesting about this piece, so it was someone who was not 37. I think she was 38. But Kate Gallego is the mayor of Phoenix, Arizona, which is the fifth biggest state, a city in this country. She went to college with Pete, right? They knew each other. She is now the mayor of a much bigger city Uh and she is completely erased from the national narrative. Uh So like, look no farther. But I mean, you did see some encouraging things in New York, speaking of Alexandra Biagi, who completely obliterated Jeff Klein. I mean, yeah, I, I, I mean, don't know if Biagi, I would categorize Jessica Ramos, obliter- Julia Salazar, we have a long and list they of are, young women. And they're women. like, yeah. you know, what what we've seen in the national narrative being done to them is what we can expect being done to any progressive who makes it toward the... But, I mean, let's be clear about something. Like, everybody said that the misogyny going at Hillary Clinton, it was just like, if it wasn't her, it would be fine. Then I, and you know, I believed a little bit of that, not all of that, but I said, maybe like, she's got a lot of baggage. I did the Cynthia Nixon race. She had no baggage, what, no right. baggage. And then everybody like portrayed her as she didn't um, sign the 19th. And, the right. and then Warren. we get to Elizabeth Warren, who is awesome. And then she gets portrayed as too professorial and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just like, it's never good enough. It's just never. Well, I mean, up. but I think then bring this to. Black I mean, voters. and we haven't even talked about Senator Harris. I mean, and her credentials and, and how she was just, and the way that like she got you know the crap kicked out of her, but like Amy Klobuchar kind of just went right in. Like for every woman, it's a little bit harder along the way. But I think that that's also this to me explains black voters in the sense that like we know this. Yeah. Like. This is my life. So, this is my so whole we're just going to go life. with Joe Biden because eh, he's fine. I mean, it's like, well, go with the whites, you know, sometimes. I, mean, <laughs> I think that that's what some voters are really thinking. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, A, I don't know Bernie. I don't know these radical policies. Like, there's a certain no. level of pragmatism that I'm not going to poo-poo mm-hmm. away where it's just like, oh, just vote your heart. It's like, you know what? Sometimes the stakes are high and I get the long-term game, mm-hmm. but some people don't have time to play the long-term game. I will say this. When I saw Elizabeth Warren's campaign, especially those early days, I saw her doing everything right. Except meeting, for the Native American wait, stuff. Meeting people where they were, whether it's going down Mississippi Delta or going down to Puerto Rico or like trying to actually listen. Yeah. And um, I would say the first 10 months of her presidential campaign from December 31st, 2018 till the middle of uh, October 2019 were pretty fabulous. And then it just kind of. But took she's a the only one turn. who kept black women. Front and center. She and Castro. Right, but it didn't triple down beyond the no. grass tops. No. Right? You, she didn't. had all the activists, and then what that's was it. underneath that? And that's a problem. Like, the progressive movement has to look at this. I think there's because also a Because if activists that... are going to 
endorse a candidate. Like you got it. We got to bring. You got to pull bring, people. You got to yeah, so She was also trolled into taking a DNA test at the end of the day, whether it was right or. Whether I mean, that goes was, back know. to the Scott Brown rate. I mean, there's a whole. There's so there, much there to. There's attack. a narrative as that what, showed would, would a woman be bullied. Well, um, and I, which I is think the that unfortunately showed not just like it's a poor judgment, but it's like you let some fool bully you into the same trap but, that he bullied I mean, Obama I into. Go, I don't want to go and into all of this all over again, right. but I will say that <laughs> her parents were dead. Her parents had told her her whole life this was the truth. It's hard at, to just think something you've been told your whole right. life is not true. And I think that's but something that at she's a certain point, I think a lot of people didn't. They just wanted to see from a Democratic candidate. And this is maybe where the, the younger progressives are scaring, you know, older Democrats, is that they wanted to see from a candidate the same kind of fuck you that Trump but this women does out his taxes. But this was a fuck that, you. you. Know. She just, it just backfired. I mean, right. the whole point of rolling out in October before the election was supposed to be like, I got this, I'm, I'm doing it, and like, you know, like, we're done here. And then it just backfired. I think right. the very intent of what she was doing was to go right toe-to-toe with him and say, look, I'm here it is. But it just didn't, the, there was like the video, it just didn't work out. One of the things with poor judgment is when you're woman and an older woman who's not been a career politician Mm -hmm. you're figuring these stuff out these things out right Mm -hmm. they're they're limited models to go on and like senses of of what's been played before and how this stuff is is going to work Mm -hmm. you know it it, so when you try something it doesn't play like always you know in hindsight you you know you're just a dummy you were just weak Mm -hmm. that that was a failure but at least for the democratic primary that totally receded but I mean, Biden is also doing similar, you know, announcing that he might he would consider taking a Republican running mate. These kind of things are things that a lot of younger progressives view as weak. And he's a man. But I mean, he looks at taking a Republican running mate as just like another pal that he can, you know, talk to. He doesn't see it as he sees it as this is the way Washington works. And people who don't understand that don't understand anything. And so he, he can poo poo the left in a way that I think people who actually want votes from young progressives would never do. I mean, he, he also mocks the young, like, experience of, of folks who have, you know, student debt and, you know, have multiple jobs. He just says, boo-hoo, you, you have it so hard. They do have it much harder than he does. And to not understand that is a big blind spot going into the November elections. Hi. Um, <laughs> so much. So let's talk about a little bit of a conversation we started, which was... The VP, mm. because this is unlike we're you know we say this every single day. We're in times like we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. But this is an election, in all honesty, where because we have so many septuagenarians, uh, a VP late septuagenarians. I mean late. I mean we were <laughs> Rebecca I mean, and I were giving Biden, Bloomberg, and Bernie the business last night because, well, because Biden is currently the youngest male candidate. In they're the literally race. at their life expectancy. Right Seventy-seven now. years old. Joe Bennett. crazy. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. Biden, so, Biden was too old in 2016. Yeah. So. But Biden's the youngest one. I mean, Biden's just Biden not as sharp. Youngest. He's just not as sharp as Bernie's still He's sharp. aged a lot, Biden. Well, in Bernie's those four years. I mean, yeah. sharp. I think you're saying Bernie had a widowmaker heart attack. I mean, uh, he's yeah. plenty sharp. He's plenty sharp. He didn't have, a, like, a, any old heart attack. He had a widowmaker heart attack in the middle of the campaign. So there's a lot you could say about Biden. For instance, what saying I got arrested visiting Nelson Mandela. The real um, oh, my, my, my mistake? Well, my like, that this past was... Do you remember... Okay. It's crazy. We're... 
these, these people covered, are old. We talk about New York here. Do you remember when Hillary Clinton said the thing about Kosovo, about how her plane was shot yep. down yep. or there mm-hmm. were bullets? And, yeah. and it was like weeks on the campaign trail. They had to find Sinbad, who was on the plane, too, and ask him what he thought. And they were like, she's a liar. And they went after her with such veracity. And, and now Biden says this thing about Nelson Mandela, and it's just gone. Yeah. I wonder why that happens. Listen, we know ovaries make people act insane, clearly, because <laughs> all these cats keep getting a pass. I mean, the fact that, that Bernie Sanders had a full-on heart attack, and we haven't seen any medical records. like, take my word, I'm fine. And it's like, oh, okay, right. sure. We did get a very detailed letter from his doctor, which is more than we've ever gotten from Trump. Because the Trump thing is just like, everything is fine. It's beautiful. It's so great. Or his weird drunk doctor, like, getting on television yeah. and swearing I mean, out I think, that he's I mean, just fine. I mean, the problem is, Trump does look very unhealthy. He's he's a very unhealthy yeah, man. I mean, so I don't I think all of this talk about VPs is very important. So because yeah, yeah go ahead. because I, I want to know who they're all going to pick. Because our because, VP may be yeah, our president I mean, we're, sooner than later. Whoever the next president will be, it will be the oldest president we've ever had. No matter what. Full stop. Right. And don't forget, like Ronald Reagan was younger than these folks when he started having his issues. Right. Well, I mean, I think we're sort of seeing some signs with Joe Biden for sure. And and keep in mind, we don't see sustained Bernie Sanders. We see we see snippets of him at I'm rallies. I'm going to push back a little bit. Bernie Sanders has a day. pretty like hectic schedule. He is doing rallies in multiple cities every day. Yeah, he's also given the same speech that he gave when he became mayor of Vermont. I mean, like okay. I'm saying, we haven't seen Bernie Sanders with a long sustained. We haven't seen of Joe Biden do like more than a few events well, in a week we ever before he like that, bumbles. I mean, we watched around 15 the last minutes Sunday. last night. And my hair was standing. It's up, like Chinatown. So. My my wife, my my sister. My wife, my sister. <laughs> no, he said my husband, Joe Biden. Oh, <laughs> I'm running Sorry. for Senate. So we're gonna we're gonna run out of time at some point. No, I've, I've keep got... her here forever. <laughs> You work for, for us. Now. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Pretend we don't have this uh, this shitty corporate meeting. And I'm making a mental note actually to go back and check on what Brian Williams said about Hillary Clinton's Kosovo thing. Because I'm curious about uh-huh. that. Brian Williams, Mister, I didn't go to college, but I still make eleven million dollars. But I lied on the air, and I still have a job. Well, he's not. A, he's not on NBC. He's only on MSNBC, so it's fine now. Yeah, Did sorry. he also get arrested with Nelson Mandela? No, he got. Um, he had plagiarism. <laughs> No, 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 he just said things wrong. He said yeah, a bunch he, of war stories about right. uh, the, the experiences he was in, much like Clinton, almost all of which were fictitious. And he told over many years and kept adding further exaggerations to and then explained that he was doing all of this to honor heroes. It was really pretty appalling stuff. Awesome. $11 million. But, but my, my, yes. my question here is pretend but for just digress. one minute. Yes. Right. Because you think a lot about earned media and mm-hmm. how candidates present naturally, right? Mm-hmm. What would a better system for vetting viewing these candidates and getting them to the American public like we still have for-profit television right. but like people thinking about this more I mean, seriously I, what, what would that look like I mean I think the problem is that the media it's not just that um, it's all white it's also it's richer I mean look at the New York Times which is the um, you know the main paper basically by a thousand reporters anywhere and um, in this country, and most of the people went to, and they're great people, right? But they went to fancy private schools and fancy colleges, and so when you have a working class candidate who's talking about something, it's not it's not necessarily something that all those reporters would relate to, and the experiences that our candidates are going through, like when I my working class candidates, they can't afford their clothes. We have to figure out how they're going to pay for it. Like everything is hard. I had a candidate that um, couldn't even afford to take an Uber, like, to get back to his hotel to do, you know, like, we had to figure out, I guess we'll add in more time to walk (laughs) so you could go get what you, you know, it's just, it's a different kind of thinking. And we have a media that doesn't understand 
um, the challenges of a lot of the candidates who are not from fancy beginnings. Child care. Yeah, child, and that was something like Luba um, in Long Island. They did that last year. They petitioned the FEC to make sure that they could mm-hmm. get their child care paid for by the campaign. But it's so. I mean, when you ask a candidate to run for office, I mean, look at Jamal Bowman here in New York, who I work for. We had to say that he had to stop working as a principal because we had to have full time on the campaign. But that that was that was a decision he had to have with his wife. They had to talk about how they're going to pay for things. But we were at a disadvantage because we needed a full time candidate and we right. needed him on the phones asking other people for money. Right. It's just it's not and a great other people system. that he knew who had money. And that also is part of the problem. Right. It's and, like you right. might have people who really support you, but they can't write you that two thousand dollar check the way other candidates. Can. I mean, remember the that story about Alexander Ocasio-Cortez, where it's just like she's not in D.C. and her job is starting. She's like, yeah. I can't have two apartments at once. Like, I got to get my first paycheck from D.C. before right. I get to move to D.C., which I, but, is what a lot of people are struggling with. I will say is yes. encouraging about the progressive push is that I saw Taylor Lorenz, who mm-hmm. reports on, like, tech culture for The New York Times now. Um, and I, I saw her on a television show, and they asked her, you know, how much is Mike Blo- Something like, how much is Mike Bloomberg spending on all these memes and all this, like, young youth mm-hmm. culture, blah, blah, blah. And she said, yeah, he's hired this person, that person. And they said, now, what about someone like Bernie Sanders? And she says, oh, well... Basically, and this is not verbatim, he doesn't have to hire people. Young people are coming to do this for him, right. to do that right. kind. So whereas there is established cable news, they, then there's the entire base that does not watch television. But it's television. not enough because it's, it's generational. I mean, we thought on the Cynthia Nixon campaign, we heard, we saw that there were, you know, millions of dollars of ads that Cuomo was spending on TV. And we all looked around and like, none of us watch TV. You know, I guess nobody watches TV. Maybe maybe it'll be okay. That wasn't right. There's there's still like the the Jeopardy and Judge Judy voters are still very very important and we can't forget about them. Just because people under 40 stopped watching, you know, network television doesn't mean everybody stopped right. watching television. Right. Hey, can you before we let you go? Yes. And I'm so excited. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was I can't a pleasure. Believe it's been this long. Um, can you just give us some highlights of your CV because I think a lot of people because of your work with de Blasio, they think that you're yes. like a New Yorker. I am not But a New I know that you're a Philly girl. <laughs> I am. And so, but I know that you're also like, you put in some time in D.C. as well. You look fabulous, yeah. by oh, the way. Thank you, but, thank you. Um, but I know that you have like quite a bit no, of a CV. So, so. Right. so it's interesting. So I work a lot on the left, but so many of the people I work with came up through organizing and activism. I kind of came up through the establishment and rebelled. I was Harry Reid's communications director. I spent a lot of time in Washington. I worked on the John Edwards campaign in 2004. What I like Ooh, to say, the good uh. campaign. That was before people found out the rest. <laughs> but like the, the one where we talked about two Americas. Sound mm-hmm, familiar? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, I, He was the front runner before Hillary and Barack. Well, yeah. I mean, and he, you know, we thought if we went ran, uh, won South Carolina in 2004, we would win. So, And we did win South Carolina, but we did not win the nomination. But I also, I worked on the Sotomayor nomination. I mean, I've done a lot of national uh, work, and then I just I just like living in, in Brooklyn, here in New York. It's, it's the best. My alternate history starts with the Pulitzer Worthy National Enquirer, speaking of the bad Edwards, getting there five weeks sooner, mm-hmm. and Hillary Clinton like almost certainly winning the, uh, the nomination in 2008. It's, and then it's everything crazy. unspools differently. It's I nuts. mean, there's so many of these like footnotes in history. If they had acted, yeah. something had happened differently. This cycle, if the Des Moines Register poll had come out in Iowa showing Bernie and Warren surging and Pete flatlining, that would have been really interesting. And, you know, they probably would have gone one, two in Iowa, but yes. it never came out. They were, you know, the senators had all been in this impeachment trial and somehow Pete well, did well for himself. I mean, can we 
back up the fan fiction then? Because I love I love playing this game. I'm like, what if Gary Hart hadn't gotten his picture monkey taken on the monkey oh, business? Right. Like, I mean, like we can just keep backing up. If David Axelrod had not managed to unseal Bob Ryan's divorce, which yep. neither Bob nor yes. Jerry Ryan wanted yep. to be unsealed, there is Barack 100% no Barack Obama. In fact, Senator. you can just do David Axelrod in a series of divorces to explain the uh, the rise of Obama. I know David Axelrod has or mildly Obama denied Or Obama had beat this, Bobby Rush, you know, he yes. would have just yes. been another guy in Congress. Yes. Not as exciting. Right. I can play this game we all could. day oh. It's fun. I, I love it. This might I have can't to be wait an to uh, pick Ooh, your brain yes. more about as the election goes on. What if Dukakis um, hadn't put on that vest and looked like he was trying when to he fill was that in the tank, In the tank. No, the one where he did two things. Yeah, was he I thought he tried to fill a pot I think too. you just as a politician never wear costumes. No, Don't never, ever wear never. Anything. I think never De Blasio was the was the pottle. Was the pottle guy? He, he well, did I mean, he did a bunch of photo ops with with look. I'm actually filling the pottle, but De Blasio. Uh, excuse me, Dukakis. It was the tank. In the tank. Yeah, and in he the tank. So tiny. Yeah. Well, we should do. Oh, oh, we should do about, a catalog of these, including Cuomo with the guy helping him out of the truck. Or what if or what if Bill De Blasio hadn't accidentally killed that poor groundhog? He wouldn't have gotten reelected. Wait, oh, he did get reelected. <laughs> oh, and then he did get reelected. Dot dot dot. What happens after he leaves office? Wait, wait a minute. The groundhog died. Where have you been, Adam? I, I, I knew. I knew he dropped the groundhog. I didn't know it died. It died yeah. days later. Yeah. yeah, there was a cover up, and and it was a girl. <laughs> it was Charlotte, not um. The groundhog is female. Was the was. groundhog is dead? R.I.P. <laughs> Put some respect on her name. Lazio <laughs> and animals. There's. Mm. Well, do you know that President Trump is the first First president since President Polk to not have a pet? Let that just sit there. There's no love in his heart. No, he's like he's a black hearted monster. This has been FAQ NYC. Thank you so much to Rebecca Katz for joining us. Rebecca Katz. Thank you very much. FAQ. FAQ NYC is a production of Racket Media. We are headquartered and recorded this week at the McSilver Institute for Poverty, Policy, and Research at NYU. Special thanks to Rebecca Katz, founder of New Deal Strategies, episode producer Adam Kamara, and all of you. Remember, Jack, it's the fact. Remember, Jack, it's the fact. Don't do that. Don't be whack. Don't do that. Don't be whack. Did we get your name in there? I don't know. In the outro? Yeah. Doesn't matter. Say your name. Say your name. Say your name. If no one is around you, say, baby, I love you. Why are you playing games? Say my name. Say my name. It's Alex Lynn, Alex Brooklyn.